as much as I also want to share the joy that is there, I want anyone to know listening that it is possible to have that joy, but we first have to acknowledge the pain that we're going through. I wouldn't be able to be sitting here feeling as good as I feel inside had I not gone to the depths of how crappy I felt on the inside. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have an appreciation for how I feel now. Everyone you meet every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming. I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet, and neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome. Here we go. Vasavi, I am so grateful that you're here. I am so happy to be here, Justin. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We've had a great conversation already. With We've Amy. already got a good start. We've talked about lots of things. Yeah, lots of things. We know each other well now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm holding a magazine, Austin yes. Woman. Yes, from um, May. Yeah, May of this year. May of this year. You're on the cover. Yes, I am. It's a 10-page spread. Yeah. I mean, this is this is pretty special. And you did say right before we started, this landed you the second. I'm proud of you from I'm my mother. Yeah, yeah. She, she said... I don't know what you do for a living, but I'm very proud of you. <laughs> okay, thanks, Mom. Well, yeah. I'm sure we're going to get into that. What do you do for a living? But to set it up a little bit, I know some about your background. Like, we can relate on – I grew up getting very heavily bullied. And you mm. living in Long Island, mm -hmm. is that right? Growing yeah. up there, mm -hmm. um, going to a predominantly all-white school. Yeah. You grew up getting very heavily bullied. But then um, to fast forward, I think you got a master's degree at Hofstra – for special education, yep. another master's maybe from Columbia. Yeah, no big deal, uh, Ivy League. Yeah. That's just how we do it as Indians, <laughs> you know. Uh, and there it was social work, yes. right? And you're a licensed therapist. Mm -hmm. And so that's all really incredible things. What that shows me is you've kind of experienced that pain and then wanted to help others in their pain. Yeah. And kind of the, the purpose of the shows of Overcome is it's a mental health um, podcast, mm -hmm. but, um, me being a fighter, going through some of the things I've gone through, we really want to highlight people's stories of what they've had to rise up and overcome. But I know you want to cover a lot of the joy, you know, you've gone through pain, but now there's so much joy in your life. And I think we can share and talk a lot about that, you know, that yes, life can be painful and we'll always be overcoming some mm -hmm. of life's, uh, greatest challenges, but there's a lot of joy and it gets better. It does get better, and if I'm being completely honest, which I will be, is that it 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 got worse before it got better, right? Mm. Like, I don't think I would have been able to experience the type of internal joy that I feel and mm. the internal love that I have for myself had I not experienced the self-loathing. Mm. Like, I, there are too many times that I can count where I would look up at the ceiling and be like, can I just hang myself from this fan? What is mm. it going to take for me to just take my own life? Oh, I'll just go to Lowe's and I'll get a rope and I'll come. I mean, my uncle killed himself. And I, I, I know I just went there and it got really dark real quick. But 
as much as I also want to share the joy that is there, I want anyone to know listening that it is possible to have that joy, but we first have to acknowledge the pain that we're going through. I wouldn't be able to be sitting here feeling as good as I feel inside had I not gone to the depths of how crappy I felt on the inside. Yeah. I I wouldn't have an appreciation for how I feel now. Would you say there was a point where you just had to face it all and feel it all? I've had to face it multiple times, but I would say the two times that I've had to face it was the first time that I went to rehab. Mm. Um, I didn't have anything. Like, my parents made me go. They're like, well, you have no money. You just had a miscarriage. You are with this awful boyfriend who has completely, you know, brought you down to your knees in a way, you know, and you have to go to rehab. So I went to rehab. Because they made me and, you know, made me. I say that because and also I had I had nothing left. Right. So I was like, fine, I'll go. And then, you know, seven months later, I relapsed because I still hadn't solidified my relationship with God. I was still making this man in my life. God, I I didn't have that anchor for me, my uh, my higher power. So that was the first time. Second time was. When I went back to rehab again, March of 2019, I was standing in the kitchen. I was talking to my mother, and she goes, I want you to go take a drug test. Like, she just knew, right, because moms mm. know everything. And I'm 35. How old was I? Like, 35, 36. And I'm in the kitchen saying to my mom, how dare you ask me to take a drug test? Which is like, she, she has every reason because she she knew that I was lying. And I hung up and I said, I just had a moment with myself, Justin. I was like, I'm done with this chaos. Mm. I'm done lying. I'm 36 years old. I'm standing in the kitchen arguing with my mother about whether or not I should take a urine test. I'm done. And so I just called my mom back and I said, I'm going to go to rehab. And so she just knew. She just knew that I'd been like. So, you know, that time I actually chose to make the change. I I was done with the chaos. It wasn't because anyone told me to or anything. It was because I was done with the chaos. And so now I'm three and a half years sober from cocaine. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. That's huge. But many times over, I think like, it, it, like those are the two pivotal moments, but I've had times in the past two or three years where I've had to really evaluate myself in relation to my partnership. So it's like I had to really look at who I was being and what I was accepting in all of my relationships. And what I realized is that I was the most toxic person in my life. It's hmm. so easy to blame our parents. It's so easy to blame our partners or 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 the government or society or whatever. But it's like I I was. I was the most toxic person in my life. So I had to deal with me first and foremost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whenever you say internal joy, does that mean maybe before you went through these big changes that you were looking for external joy, uh, like outside of yourself instead of just finding it inside? Yeah, absolutely. So I've lived most of my life in the past uh, so that. And so here's what I mean, okay? So I, I make this distinction. I I rarely did things for me. I did mm. things so that. Here's what I mean. So now I work out every single day, right? I love working out. I'm addicted to just the, you know, those release of endorphins. I need that dopamine hit. I need that because I don't use drugs anymore. So I need something to yeah. make me feel good, right? But in the past, I would work out so that a man would find me attractive, mm. so that I was sexy, so that a man would give me attention. I don't do that anymore. I work out for me. I work out so I feel good. And I realize how much of my actions and how much of how I showed up and the words that I spoke and what I wore and the things that I did were always so that somebody else mm. would appreciate me. So I was trying to find my sense of self-worth or joy from external sources. Mm. 
And I, I just don't do that anymore because it, um, it led me down a very dark path. How big of a paradigm shift has that been? It's huge. I, okay. I just want to say I'm 40 now. I just turned 40 in May. I feel like I'm back to being my 24 year old self. I mean, I didn't know shit at 24. Okay. Like yeah. what I know now, cause I had not, I, I didn't have my ass handed to me at 24, like I did in the past 16 years, but I have that energy and that confidence that I had when I was 24, like before I got married and all that. I was just, I was just so like, yeah, I could do anything. And then life happens. You know, you get divorced, you get into these relationships with people who just serve you breadcrumbs and you take it and you abandon yourself and you betray. Mm. And then you, you can't even look at yourself in the mirror anymore. Right. So how much of a paradigm shift? It's like, how I feel, maybe you can relate to this, how I feel on the inside and like when I look in the mirror and I see myself, I've always known that this is how it should be for me. Hmm. But I, it's like I, I didn't fully step into it. Like I didn't believe it. I was afraid of fully owning this much joy because I spent much of my time living in my suffering because it's, you know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, this feels weird. When is it going to end? Is it all going to go away? So for me, I was the only thing getting in my own way because I was so terrified that if it got too good, then it would all just go away. And so instead of letting things happen to me, I would I would be the cause of my own suffering. Hmm. It's like, no, you're not going to have power over me. I'm going to have power over me and I'm going to be my own self-saboteur, hmm. right? But it's been a huge shift for me. I, uh, It's like I've always known that this is the truth of who I am and how I feel is, is, is like, oh, this is how it's supposed to feel when you admire yourself when you respect yourself when you trust yourself i just i just needed to allow myself to feel this way yeah but meanwhile you were busy studying all these things and getting these degrees yes in how to do it and, and yeah, yeah i mean i always jokingly say who ends up being a therapist the most toxic people are the therapists it's like <laughs> i'm choosing a path where i'm helping you with your emotions it's like hello girl look at yourself you know so i mean i always joke about that but i chose the paths that I chose and played the roles that I played because that's what I wanted. I wanted someone to listen to me, right? I'd been in therapy since I was 12 years old. I know the power of saying it out loud. I know the power of having someone just deeply listen to you. I didn't have that myself. So I became that for other people, but I just wasn't that for myself. And now I'm that for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's very apparent because um, you can tell you have that confidence and that joy yeah. and kind of just that you have this knowing of who you are. Yes. And I think, uh, I think oftentimes you meet people and, you know, you always want to always give people the benefit of the doubt and everything else, but you sometimes see it come up in conversation. Like this person doesn't really know who mm -hmm. they are and they're trying to almost be a chameleon like, right. Where, yeah. what do you want me to be? And I'm going to find out some things about you so I can become that yes. so that you'll accept me so mm -hmm. that you'll accept me. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I, I think what'd be really interesting is hearing part of your journey of you even saying, I've, I've heard it also said, sometimes therapists need the most therapy. And oh yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we like do. That, yeah. But where, where do you think some of the, those greatest points of pain came from that then now you've been able to heal from? And then because of your story, you're helping other heal, others heal from their, their similar trauma. Well, I recently restarted therapy for myself. And one of the things that has surfaced and I think I had locked it away for a very long time, but now I'm going to share it here on this podcast with you. Um, I think it really started from a young age where I just couldn't fix my parents. I mean, it really did. I would see, I grew up with a mom who uh, 
you know, they're both immigrants. They both came to this country, right, and in, in the 70s. And it was very hard for them because, yeah, we grew up in an all-white town. I mean, uh, my mom was a cardiologist. My father was a CPA. And, you know, their names are Shanti and Gita. They're not, you know, Justin and Amy. You know, I, you know what I mean? I'm just being straight up. It's not yeah. easy being in this country when you don't look like everybody else. And so they're just frustrated and they would fight all the time. And for a young child having to play therapist between her parents, it's not. It's not a good look, you know, Mm. but I would say my when I think about the thing that has brought me the most pain in my life is that I could never just see my parents happy with each other. You know, it was always like I always had to get in the middle and I felt like I had to save my father, protect my father. We had to walk on eggshells around my mother. And I know a lot of people go through this. It's I'm not the only one who's had to deal with bickering parents or like parents who get divorced. But for some reason, it just had this profound effect on me because I just... I just played the role of the parentified child from a very young age. At the age of four, no one should be mediating their parents' conflict. But that's the role that I played. The role that I played was, what do I need to do? It's actually making me emotional thinking about Mm. this. It's like, what do I need to do to just keep the peace? What do I need to do to make sure everyone's okay? So when you do that enough times, you know exactly what you need to do. You know exactly how to be a chameleon. What do I need to do to not rock the boat? Oh, I dismiss my needs. Oh, oh, it's no big deal. No problem if it's an inconvenience, as long as you're happy. And that, you know, can lead to and does lead to addiction, Mm. mental health issues, toxic, all the things that I've been through, right? But that's where the source of my pain has come from. And I'm very open with my mom and dad. I love them very much. I wouldn't be who I am without both of my parents. I love them extremely. And I've I no longer blame them. I see them as two people who didn't get the chance that I got, which is Mm -hmm. to be able to work on myself, to be able to go to therapy and go to retreats and do all these, you know, just like do the stuff that I had to do to heal myself. You know, that's, I was just talking about this with a friend. It's like, it's sad when you're feeling really good and you still see the, you know, the suffering of your parents. You're like, man, they're they're not going to be able to experience that in this lifetime. So all I hope is that I can be a source of happiness for them, you know? Hmm. But yeah, that that definitely does bring something up because, yeah, I've, I've always been that hopeful, hopeless romantic that's just always wanted that. I just want, just wanted that love. And I kept trying to fix my parents through the relationships that I sought after. And now I'm at a place, and I was just telling this to Amy, it's like, I am the one. I'm calling in the one, hmm. but I got to be the one first for myself. And if that means I got to be lonely for a little bit or or alone, let me use a different word. If, yeah. I have, if I have to be alone for a little bit, so be it. Because what I don't want to do is bleed all over somebody else again. I don't want all my wounds to hurt another person again. And so I'm just focusing on myself right now. This episode of Overcome with Justin Rin, that's me and oh, <laughs> Amy sitting <laughs> over here, is brought to you by Onnit. Onnit.com slash overcome and what did we have for breakfast this morning? Because we were uh, running a little late. What have I had every day? Since really, we got are them? the on it protein bites, the which I think are bites new. Are delicious. And I think I'm addicted. I Incredible. love them. I love that they're six grams of protein, so I can grab two, mm-hmm. and I feel really good about it. Yeah, and they're small. They're small, but they're or not. They're bites. Bite size. Bite size for they're you, maybe, size, but size. I can take probably six bites in them. Yeah. And so it's about well, it's just the not size. It's a huge protein bar that's hard to carry right. around. Like right. you can pack it in your purse, or your fanny mm-hmm. pack. You can carry it around and you know whenever you need it, you got a little pick me up and you're not going to be hungry. It, it's like a hunger buster. It but is. Not from Dairy Queen, from On It. Right. That and, you feel good about with yeah. six grams of protein in every one. Right. And I love their cookies and cream. That one's been my favorite. S'mores has been really good. S'mores but I know has been they my have, favorite. 
favorite. Really? I yes. like the cookies and cream more. Mm-hmm. But s'mores is really, really good. And so what else do they have? They have uh, peanut butter dark chocolate. Mm. They do. They have coconut cashew with dark chocolate, cookie good. dough with dark chocolate. That Somebody likes dark chocolate, and I appreciate that. Yeah. And can we add that they're all gluten-free? So yes, for you in particular. I have to have that because mm-hmm. I am celiac. If you didn't know that, I am gluten intolerant. And not just intolerant, I literally have celiac. And so I get sick from a lot of the stuff on the market that's processed in a manufacturing facility Mm -hmm. with this, that, or the other. And honest stuff, you just know that you're getting the highest quality ingredient imaginable, possible on the market. And you're going to feel great. You're going to feel great about what you're eating and Mm -hmm. um, any of the products. It includes more than 60 different plants. It's high in fiber and good flavor along with that good source of protein. Yeah. So try yourself some of these protein bites. Mm -hmm. They're so good for you. I think they might even be available at Walmart right now, but they're available on Amazon. They're available on, on its website. So please go get it there and use overcome as the code to save yourself some money thank you for being here and we will now return to the show well while you do that focus on yourself maybe i mean from a very educated um therapist what would you say is the difference between someone that the difference between alone and lonely i mean because you're are you 40 now i'm 40 now 40 now and so um society might put pressures or whatever and you might feel like i'm already supposed to be married with this or that or whatever Mm -hmm. um and so maybe you can dive into that a little bit where it's like hey i am being the one for me so i'm not even one is in alone right so while you're alone how do you have that peace and almost like fulfillment in yourself compared to being lonely yeah i love this question so i've had to learn how to be alone um, the second time I got sober, right? Second time I got sober, I was like, okay, I am going to do this. I'm going to be sober. And I'm also going to be emotionally sober. It took me a while. It's taken me three and a half years, I think, since then to really feel like, okay, I enjoy my own presence. Mm. Um, For me, the biggest thing that I had to do was get back in touch with my body. I've often dissociated most of my life. So I'll be sitting here, but I'm actually floating over here. That's just a coping mechanism that I've used from a young age to just not have to feel much in my body. I would just float. Um, For me, really being consistent with my habits, with my rituals, being kind to myself. and, And the one thing that I preach and teach, and I'm writing a book about called Say It Out Loud, is I talk to myself. Hmm. This is how I am not lonely when I'm at home because at least I know somebody's listening. So how can I really be lonely when I'm I'm talking to myself? So you, I mean, if I had a camera following me around at home, you'd see me talking to myself. If I have a decision I have to make, I say it out loud. If I'm angry, I scream it out loud. If I'm sad, I say it out loud. And so I've become the mother and the father to myself that I didn't have. This is why I'm no longer lonely. Do I have moments where I'm like, it would be so nice to have a cuddle buddy right now. Absolutely. But I've also had enough experience what it's like to be with someone and still feel lonely in their presence. And I refuse to do that to myself ever again. I mean, I have a golden retriever. I'm set. You know what I mean? She's she's amazing. She's 12 years old. Lainey, we love her. But I've just had to learn just to be with the discomfort of being with myself and ask Mm. myself, what is it about me that I can't be with? And I realized there were parts of me that I was just putting up with that I was just tolerating, right? It was especially when I, like, I noticed I had some emotional perfectionism, right? Where some emotions were okay. Happiness is okay. Uh, joy is okay. 
a little bit of sadness is okay, but oh, I shouldn't get angry. I shouldn't get irritated. I shouldn't get frustrated because that's, you know, no one wants to deal with that. I started to be okay and start dialoguing with the parts of myself that were irritated, that was frustrated because it's like, how can I expect somebody to want to be with all of me when I can't even be with all of myself, right? How do I expect my partner to be with my frustration when I'm frustrated with my own frustration, right? So I created a safe space for myself in internally and in my home. Wow. Yeah. I really like that. Thank you. So I can relate. Um, I've been to treatment twice. Oh, I did. Um, okay. Yeah. And for uh, what was for your... drugs. Oh. Um, pretty much anything. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, okay. So you're like I a smorgasbord. Really... Yeah, smorgasbord. smorgasbord. Okay. Got it. <laughs> why, why pick one when there's yeah, so many? Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, there's so many to enjoy. And you can like, throw other things in there. Your phone. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. So, All the addictions. Yes. All the addictions. Yes. Um, I mean, it was mostly oxycotton, and then after that, it was weed, and then and but lots and lots of everything. And uh, I would jump from one to another to try to pretend like I didn't really have right. one singular problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so after my first time at treatment, once I relapsed, then I jumped into all the psychedelics um, because, well, at times it was advertised as things that would heal your childhood trauma, which I think it can help with that, mm-hmm. or PTSD, but also a danger zone would be people advertising it as a cure for addiction, or at least healing for addiction. Mm. And I had a real, uh, if not a come to Jesus moment, like a come to myself moment where yeah. it was like, you know, is it is another drug going to fix my drug problem? Yeah. <laughs> is a substance going to fix my substance abuse problem? Mm-hmm. And so many in that, in that place in that culture of psychedelics like i think it can help someone that maybe is a moderate to hard user mm-hmm. um, but not a real deal addict you know mm-hmm. that's that's the danger zone you're you're given a actual addict more substances like they're just gonna now use this and try to morph it you know running the show or being the actor like trying to mm-hmm. show that oh see this is okay in this set and setting that's what we do we justify. Handle it. Yeah, justify we justify all that stuff but anyways, to say that, I was saying, um, well, just going back to your story of of the lone and lonely and and really with your parents, seeing those emotions come up that you would say are okay, even saying happiness is okay, that makes sense because it feels good. And yeah. joy, that feels good. Yeah. And sadness, you're, I mean, very empathetic in your craft and, and all your, in just in life, being there for your mom and dad at four years old. Mm-hmm. So sadness, that might be something that you say is okay. Yep. Um, because you can be there for them. You can mm-hmm. be there for yourself. But maybe it was anger yep. that would set you off in the home, seeing that from your mom to your father or whatever it is. And so how did you, how did you find and discover uh, speaking out loud, um, saying it out loud mm-hmm. to yourself. And in those moments, do you go back and forth? Do you, do you look at yourself more like a, a mother to yourself, father to yourself, or coach to yourself, a friend to yourself, or is it kind of just whatever you need in that moment? This is such a good question. I actually talk about this in my upcoming book. <laughs> look yeah. at me. In my upcoming book, say it out loud. Get on the wait list. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just, no, but um, I, I will say this, that um, when I was a kid, I actually write about this in the book. When I was a kid, I'd watch my father get ready for work, and he'd be combing his hair with uh, brill cream, uh, which is a hair hair mousse or hair gel. And he, my father would talk to himself in the mirror, and hmm. he, he'd say, aren't I so handsome? 
Today's going to be a great day. And he would talk about himself and I would look at him and he would talk and admire himself. He was not a narcissist in that yeah. way. He wasn't just like, you know, but he would talk to himself and I and I, I would watch my father play tennis. And this is why I play tennis now. But anytime he missed a shot, he'd be like, come on, Shanti. You know, his name is Shanti. Yeah. So I just, my father just talked out loud to himself. And I just thought that was awesome. Like, wow, you can talk to yourself, right? And then also, I'm really blessed that I started therapy when I was 12 years old. Mm. So I actually dedicate my book to my first therapist, Virginia. It's um, awesome. Yes, because I learned that, hey, I could sit in a room with somebody, tell them exactly how I feel, and they won't judge me. And, you know, I may need to pay them to listen to me, but I'm <laughs> safe and I can yeah. say what I need to say. So I started learning to how to talk to myself out loud when I was a kid, like five, six, seven, you know, watching and I spent a lot of time alone in my life. Like I've, I didn't really have a lot of friends growing up. My parents worked. My older sister would be doing her thing. So I would talk to myself when I was frustrated, um, when I was sad, and I could just hear the voice in my head that'd be like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Or the voice of nobody cares about you. Like there, we have so many different voices in our head. It's no surprise that, you know, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was 19 years old. I was told that, you know, I was mentally ill and needed to be on medication for the rest of my life. I haven't been on meds in three years. I'm chilling. I'm good. You know, but the, when I talk to myself, I, I have to first allow my ego voice, like the one that's angry, the one that's critical, the one that's yeah, I, I I am ruthless when I'm angry. You know, I let that voice come out. I un I unfiltered and I unedited just say how I feel out loud completely. And then I pause and then I allow the other voice, which I'd like to think is the sage voice. It's the voice of God. We have that more rational voice. Hmm. So when I say it out loud, I can transcend that ego viewpoint, right? So if I'm out loud saying... I don't like Justin. He's so like this. And he's so like, oh, whatever. Oh, I don't like, why is he staring at me right now? What's this problem? You know, if I'm saying that out loud, I can pause and hear that and be like, and then tap into this other part of me that's like, is he really a bad guy? Or is this just you maybe in your stuff? Maybe you're having a bad day. You haven't even, you know, gotten a chance to get to know the guy. I don't actually feel this way about you. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I've done this in relationships. I've done this when I feel like a friend isn't giving me the attention that I want or or I'm not being treated in the way that I should be. I will say it out loud because left left inside of your own mind, they all feel so true. Which voice is real, right? So when you say it out loud, whatever it is, you can feel it. Is this really the truth or is this just my wounded ass self right mm. now? And I'm just, I'm very real with myself. And it's like, is this me coming from my wounds or is this the highest version of myself that I can be speaking from? Yeah. And since you're working on a book, say it out loud. Yeah. When would that be coming out? Do you know yet? Yeah. The book is coming out May of 2023. I signed Great. the New World Library. They also awesome. published... Um, Eckhart Tolle is the power of now. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Good company. Congratulations. I'm in good company. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah. But maybe we can, because you're probably working on this, what is the difference or what's the power that comes from saying it out loud? Because there's so many cultures yeah. and um, spiritual ways that say, hey, don't just think it or you know, speak it out loud. And with that, whether mm -hmm. it's scripture or mm -hmm. whatever it is, like speak it out loud and... I know from being an athlete, like you'll see guys like Muhammad Ali 
or Conor McGregor or other guys that are seen as so some sometimes seen as brash and not humble and cocky or these kind of ways, but in other ways, so confident that they're mm-hmm. able to speak it out loud before it ever happens. Mm-hmm. You know, Muhammad Ali saying, I said I was the greatest before I even knew I was Wow! and um, things like that. So I think there is a difference. And oftentimes I might not give myself the permission to say it out loud. Maybe in competition I do. I'm, I'm a professional fighter. Yeah. Um, and even now, are you yeah. Wow. yeah. So I'll, I'll say my goals, things like that, but mm-hmm. sometimes not not too much, um, because I don't want to be seen as cocky or arrogant or this or that. Mm-hmm. But to myself, I'll I'll coach yes. myself, especially with fight week, uh, day before mm-hmm. visualization drills. But oftentimes I'm in my head, like going to a float tank and doing the visualization in there. But I think it would be even more powerful, whether it's for competition or just like self-talk. Yes. Because I got trapped in a a loop. Um, I was very bullied growing up and at 13 years old, bullied in front of the whole school and my middle school crush. And then the two popular kids, they basically said, "Um, I can't believe you thought you were good enough to come to my party. I was the only one that dressed up for a costume party. Uh, and it was a winner was going to be a prize. No one else dressed up. It was only me. And, uh, and it was even on the invitations, everything else. So my middle school crush crushed me. And next to her, a guy named Tyler said, you're worthless. And the guy that organized the whole thing shared my name named Justin said, you should just kill yourself. Jesus. So for 20 years from 13 to 33, 13 suicidal the first time, 23, I attempted suicide the second time or first time, 33, I attempted suicide, um, the second time real deal attempts. And when I would go to that dark place, my self-talk and loop would be, you're not good enough. Yep. Uh, you're worthless. You should just kill yourself. But can I just add something? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but Absolutely. this is a good example of what you were saying, yeah. though, because he st- he was still saying those things out loud as part of his speaking, as part of mm. his message, as part of... And so you were reliving that trauma in a pretty strong way all the time and bringing it back up like you were saying when you're saying these things out loud. Yeah, because right? like what you were saying before we started the show, trying to help people through their darkness mm-hmm. and their hopelessness, um, I would go back to that place and relive it, especially when I was in a middle school or high school and I've spoken in hundreds of those and um, where someone come up and share how my story impacted their life and then they would go to their dark place and I would like jump in that dark place with them. Yes. And, but since my second time at treatment, like Amy's noticed it. And so many people in my life have noticed that, that when I share it, I share it differently. I share it as this happened, but I don't necessarily go back to that place and my lip quiver and yeah. start welling up with tears and all that, you know, which, like I am right now. Yeah. Well, hearing your story just yeah. touches me because I, yeah. I know what that's like, first mm. of all, to be bullied in front of people and being told worthless. And then also letting that get to you to s- such a point where you actually even consider mm. taking your own life and then attempting that's, yeah. and I also have an uncle who killed himself so that right. it just cuts deep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you write this book or are writing this book and, and what you want people to get out of it, what would be at least if you could speak to the power of it, of saying it out loud? Is that, is that something spiritual? Is it, is it just hearing it and that's the physical side of it or psychological side of it? Do you think there's different components of it where, because you speak it out loud, maybe it has more power or validity or, or just something, uh, your own voice hearing it and 
you know it's you speaking it instead of just in your head? Yes, it's all of the above. I What I want people to understand is that most of the voices in your head don't belong to you. Most, Ooh, you know, especially uh, the, you're worthless, you're this, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're no good, you're ugly. That's not your voice. I want people to get to the voice of God within them because we mm-hmm. all have the voice of God within us. And I think about like, you know, during times during my addiction where I was just like, I was using cocaine like five, six days a week, like four o'clock on the dot, just would call my dealer right after. I would be seeing clients all day, helping them live their best lives. And then at four o'clock, I'd call my drug dealer and be like, okay, I'm going to meet you at the Whataburger on Ben White. This was my life for about four years straight. Okay. And no matter what, like I could, I would be driving to meet him. I'd come back I'd pour out my bag. I'd do the, and I could hear this voice, Vasavi, this isn't you. Vasavi, you're better than this. That was, that's the voice that's always saved me. But I just never listened to that voice because I had the voice of addiction. I had the you need this, you know, you know that you're just you're just held by this addiction, you know. But I would say that the thing that has brought me to this point is that is that voice of divinity inside of me that every single one of us has. I don't care how broken you think you are. We all have that voice. And even in my addiction, I would be high as a kite and I'd be talking out loud and I could like distance myself from the what I was saying. And I'm like, you're high as a kite right now. Like, what are you even saying? Like, I could tell that who I was being was not the real me because it just felt so fragmented. And I, the power of saying it out loud is that you get to purge. In a way, it's like, it's purging, right? You're purging all these voices in your head that don't belong to you. So you can start, you can swift away, you can, you can sift away and then finally get to the truth, which is like buried deep down here, you know? So, in acting class, my my acting coach, Mona, always said that creative spirit. Mona Lee. Mona, you know Mona Lee? I do. I love Mona Lee. Mona yeah. Lee said this to us in acting class. She said, creative spirit, the muse, God, God moves through you, hmm. right? We are a conduit. But God or the creative spirit cannot move through you if you're clogged up on the inside, hmm. right? It's like the Drano commercial. I'm a drain, right? If I want water to move through me, I can't be clogged with hair. I can't be clogged with all that junk. I gotta. I need my version of Drano. Say it out loud is like my version of Drano. We want mm. you to be clear. So whatever messages you're receiving, whatever ideas you have, you know, for you to be clear before a fight. You know what I mean? You want to be clear. You don't want to be clogged up with all these thoughts that are just not going to serve you. That's why we say it out loud. All the things, all the things that you hate about yourself, all the things that you love about yourself, right? I mean, a lot of the women that I work with in my Say It Out Loud group, we're on now on week four. They're all now at a place where they're like, yes, I'm amazing. I am good at what I'm doing. Like, they're finally starting to realize how amazing they are. But it it's taken them four weeks to have to purge all the shit that they've been believing about themselves, which is not true. So it's like this, you know, when we need to go to the bathroom, we just go, right? We don't just sit and hold it in. We don't want to get constipated. I look at say it out loud as our way to release that so we're not emotionally constipated. Hmm. <laughs> that's just the I mean, that's just the metaphor I gotta use. It's just like, why would we keep that stuff inside? We're literally clogging up our vessel, you know? So Yeah. And not to get into it too deep, but my dad just had two <laughs> two uh bit major heart surgeries after two heart attacks, and he's got eight stents put in his heart and all four of his arteries were 80 to 99% clogged. Jeez. And last Monday I was with them. And after the surgery, they asked him, I think they were assessing his pain. How do you feel? He said, and this is less than an hour after surgery. He said, I'm an eight out of a 10. 
And they go, oh, wow, you're in that much pain. He goes, no, eight out of a 10, I can breathe again. Mm. Like, and I was like, see dad, like getting those blockages out of there. Now you have more oxygen flowing to your brain, your body, like everything. Like they needed to do this. Yeah. Like be grateful, find find a moment to be grateful. Yeah. And uh, so he did. And he had another surgery yesterday for one more stent. And he says it was a success and he was already feeling and breathing better. Yeah. But just thinking about relating that to what you were saying, the blockages and the drains and all that stuff, it's like, man, he's been walking around for however long with 80 to 99% of his arteries, all of them, mm-hmm. like completely clogged. Jeez. And no wonder he's had multiple strokes and his brain wasn't getting oxygen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so anyways, I'm relating it to my life and how many more blockages do I still have? Probably will for the rest of my life in certain areas. And I can, I can start to unblock it one, one blockage at a time, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, and just, just remove those so that more of a conduit to where things are more freely flowing and moving and, and allowed to go through me and into this world. So here's how you can test that out, right? Yeah. When, when you just said, I wonder how many more blockages I have, you know, before a big fight or while you're training, mm-hmm. you know, just... As just pay, really pay. And I do this. I mean, I do this all the time. I mean, we're constantly having thoughts. It's good to purge. It's just purging. It's like going to the bathroom, but you're doing it with your thoughts. As you're getting ready for your fight, as you're preparing, maybe you're on Instagram and you see your competitor and you're like, you have thoughts like, oh, he's going to kick my ass. Whatever the thought is, say it out loud. And that shows you where you're at. That shows you what what's still stopping you, right? I, I mean, like, I hope you don't mind. I'm giving you this advice, sure. but it's like we we all need I'm this. I'm here for it. We all need this for ourselves. Yeah, I mean, like, even before I came here, I was like, oh my god, I got gas. Am I going to be a good interview? Like, I, and I was like, Vasavi, <laughs> relax. Just show up. Be yourself. You'll be good. So I said that out loud because it was it was taking up my mental space. I don't need that in my head when I'm here and I have a job to do. Hmm. Right? I'm, I'm here to help people share my story. I'm here to have a conversation. Same thing with you when you're out there in the rings. Is it a ring? Uh, it's a cage. It's yes. a cage. Yeah. yeah. When you're in the cage, like you're there for a reason. This is what you were born to do. This is what you love doing. You want to make sure you are extremely clear. And so leading yeah. up to that day, say, start saying out loud all all the little, little things because it's there. It's so there just in the back. But it's just kind of, it's just there. But we got we to gotta get it out. So it just c- gets out of us. And then we're going to be like, that's not true. That is not true. I'm not going to talk like that about myself. Yeah. You know, you get to be... The mother, the father, the therapist, the coach, the healer, all for yourself. I really like that. Yeah. I really, really like that. This will sound like a big left turn, but uh, does Vasavi have a a meaning to your name? Yes. It means sustenance. Sustenance. It means to sustain. And it's funny because I was telling Amy in this season of my life as I am, hello, calling in the one, I've had to learn how to sustain like myself, right? And be the man for myself that I want. Yeah. So sustenance, I think, is great because to sustain has been difficult for yeah. me over the past few years. You know, I, I would say the past nine, 10 years of my life, it's been difficult for me to sustain anything because yeah. of my own mental health, the relationships that I was in, my self-talk being shit, you know, like it's just, it's been hard for me to be stable. Um, and so now I finally feel like I'm living my name. I'm sustaining. I'm sustaining peace within. I'm sustaining encouragement. I'm sustaining joy. I'm sustaining compassion for myself, empathy for myself. Um, I have a bedtime. I have a rise time, and I stick to it. And and mm. I'm just I'm building that trust with myself because I lost it. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's, That's really I'm good. At. Thank you. Could another word relating to Vasavi be nourishment? Uh, sustenance. Sus- like, uh, I, yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And just thinking of that of how. 
like now you're your own nourishment because yeah. you've been that to so many others. Yeah. Um, and what you do and how yeah. you give. Yeah. And so that's it's pretty cool. But I, I I have to say the blockage that I've had to work through is mm. I am selfish for putting myself first. Like mm. I've I've yeah. been you know I had a girlfriend who wanted to come over the other night and I said. Girl, I can't. I got to be in bed by nine. I have Barry's boot camp at seven o'clock in the morning. And for me, that's hard because, of course, I want to be there for my girlfriend. She lives down the street. Of course, I want her to come over. But I had to check in. And it's like, am I going to say yes because I want to be a good friend or I don't want her to think I'm a bad friend? Am I selfish for saying, no, I like have my my little wind down routine. I'm in bed by nine thirty, nine o'clock, you know, and um, that's what I've had to work through, that it's OK for me to be the center of my universe mm. for right now. <laughs> it is. It's okay, right? I mean, yeah. I'm giving myself that permission every day. This is very new behavior for me. I want everyone to know this because I think it's a, a, a lot of times it's easy to see someone in this chair and be like, they have it all figured out. No, no, honey. No, I don't. I'm literally, it's been a month since I've been so consistent with myself. And it's been, I've been, I've been getting up to this point where I'm like, okay, it's time, boss. Like, you got to really take care of yourself and be, be the man for yourself that you've been seeking. Hmm. Yeah. Fight for the Forgotten. Org. You can go check out Fight for the Forgotten, the foundation that I started. It is my passion project. It is something that I love so much because of the people we get to help. We get to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves. We say opportunity is greater than charity. Charity can be great, but opportunity is just always better. That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water, We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name. We built 32 homes, and now we're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're going to have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic, putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org, join our fight club. Well, I mean, I have a magazine right here with... Your beautiful self on the cover Thanks. and saying living out loud. Yeah. And I think there was also, oh man, I'm slipping on my research I did, but it's okay. Uh, you were on VH1. There was some magazine. What magazine was it? So that, it another was, magazine that you had. I don't know if it was another magazine. Cover. I was on Basketball Wives VH1. I, oh, okay. I, I coached the, uh, I coached uh, Tammy Roman. They invited me on for, for <laughs> to coach her on her anger management. Yeah. 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 Or Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal. Yeah, yeah. They they I was interviewed on Wall Street Journal about oversharing. Okay. So we talked about oversharing that that was years ago. Yeah. I've yeah. I, I the reason I brought that yeah. up was just because, you know, you can see that you've done a lot of stuff yep. and 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 you were talking about I don't even know necessarily how to say what I do, but yeah. I guess my question is who are you? Like what do you want to be in this world? How do you wanna impact? What imprint do you wanna leave? That's a very loaded question. Let's try to, uh, let's unpack that. Yeah. Okay. So first and foremost, who I'd like to be is, well, I would like to be completely used up by the time I'm 
gone. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever I'm meant to do, which will unfold, and I divinely trust that whatever I'm meant to be will happen. So just keep listening to that voice of God. Mm. I don't want to. You know, my dad always says, and I, I know this is a famous quote, you know, whenever you make plans, God laughs, right? So here I am making my plans of who I think I should be. And God's like, no, 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 you're going to do this instead. So for me, at this point in my life, I want to listen to that voice. So right now, that voice, my higher power is saying, keep doing my acting and voiceover work. Keep doing these interviews because I jive really well with people when I'm just asking or being asked questions and having dialogue. So I'm doing that. I'm running my uh, Say It Out Loud women's group because that's really how I get to still be like, with my clients and just like be in these small circles, virtual circles, of course, um, doing our, you know, say it out loud. I, I use do people the, join that on your website. Yeah. They can go to my website, vasvikumar.com. Okay. Um, the say it out loud group. You'll actually appreciate this is my version of the 12 step program. Okay. So my entire say it out loud book is, is, is my, it was inspired by the 12 steps. So the very first step of saying it out loud is to admit where you feel powerless and hmm. admit it out loud. Everything else after that is my kind of methodology of how to purge yourself and how to have that emotional sobriety and also that freedom of using your voice. So I'm doing a lot of things right now to circle back. So I'm, I'm writing the book that's taking up so much of my time and it's pushing against all of my beliefs about myself that I'm crazy. People won't understand what I'm saying. I'm a crappy writer. I mean, it's forcing me to have to embody what I preach, which is when I was writing, and I'm still writing because we're in the first round of edits, I heard myself saying out loud, I said out loud, Vasavi, what are you trying to say in this chapter? And then the next voice was, no one's going to understand what you're, it's like, I had to work through my own blocks. I had to say it out loud as I was writing this book called Say, say It Out Loud because I had so many blockages. I had so many voices in my head telling me I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. So lots of different ways, um, lots of different things that I'm doing to use myself up. Acting, voiceover, a little bit of comedy, keynote speaking. I just got booked for a speaking gig at Indeed.com in two weeks. Cool. Huge, yeah, huge. Um, doing these podcast interviews and um, what else? Yeah, that's it. Just out here just doing what I'm being told to do and listening, finally being obedient. <laughs> yeah. If you've been doing this stuff for a month, really consistently, yeah. you say, what do you think when you look at this cover? It, what I'm, do you see? I'm going to say something that may come off as arrogant, okay? It, I, I, and maybe I shouldn't preface it. When I see that, and that, that was just two, three months ago, I, I'm not surprised because I've always known, like, God always told me you're special. Like, don't screw up your life. I'm here. I'll give you anything you want, but you gotta, you gotta love yourself. That's the one voice that I've always heard. It's like, I'll give you whatever you want, but I need you to show me that you can handle what I'm about to give you. You know, so I'm just listening and just being grateful for what I do have and being, I keep using the word obedient and devoted to this, you know, everything that God has to offer me. When I see that, I'm not surprised. At first, I was like, oh, I, you know what I mean? But when I see that, I'm not surprised because I've always known. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like when you win a fight, you've prepared for it yeah. internally. You've prepared for it physically. I mean, you win internally first. My, my tennis coach always used to say, step onto that court like you've already won, right? Mm -hmm. So when I see that cover on the magazine, it's like, yeah, I know that. I, yeah. I know that that's going to happen. The guys, the guys I worry about whenever I coach or I'm in the corner uh, of a fighter are the guys that go in there and they're, I, I don't want them to be overconfident, yep. but I don't want them to be thinking that like, oh, I don't have it. 
Uh, mm. This guy's better than me. Mm-mm. He could end it at any time. Like that kind of thing. You're like you're beat before you get yes. in there. Yeah. You got to be in there and be surprised if you lose, not surprised if you win. You want to you want to win and know, oh, I was going to do this the whole time. Um, and so, no, that's – that's and, and Amy and I actually just went and watched my mom play tennis. Um, she was in the finals. She lost in the finals in, in like Waco. She drove down from Dallas. And – it was just, it was awesome because it, actually, I think both her and Luis, her her mixed doubles partner, were both talking to themselves, saying yeah. it out loud, L- just like your dad. Listen, Andre Agassi, in his memoir, he talks about how one of the things that he's done to, you know, obviously get himself to the, you know, uh, to be the tennis player that he is, is that he talks to himself yeah. out loud. I'm not crazy. No. I'm not yeah. crazy. You got to talk to yourself out loud because it's like whenever I'm frustrated or or when I'm working on, we're doing mountain climbers, I literally will say out loud, even though the music, I'm like, come on, Vasavi, you can keep going. Like, I need need that motivation. Mm. I need to, I need that voice that's telling me to keep going. And I, I got to say it out loud because it's like a full body experience, right? It's not just circling in my head. I'm saying it out loud. It's I'm, I'm embodying the coach for myself in that moment. Yeah. Well, and just one of the moments I was thinking about was my mom uh, tried to lob it over her opponent's heads Mm -hmm. and it wasn't high enough. They were able to return it. And she said, come on, Terry, over their head. Then the next time she lobbed it and it went beautifully over, (laughs) over their head and she just nailed it. uh, Just perfectly inbounds. Yeah. And so, yeah, so good. Well, so for recovery for people, I've shared a lot about my story of recovery on the show. Um, because I actually relapsed during like after we started the show, had to go to treatment, luckily had built up some episodes to go and talked about me like going. I, I have a doctor named Dr. Daniel Amen, and we did a oh. um mm-hmm. we did a live therapy session mm-hmm. on here before I went and then a recap after I got back. But what do you think you learned the most about yourself through your recovery journey? Give me a moment. Yeah. Or maybe what's someone that they could really look and examine their life. Like maybe, maybe they don't think they have addiction, but maybe they've wondered, or maybe they know they have it and just some way to be helpful to the audience. If, if they're currently going through it, maybe it's someone they love going through it. I know I'm giving you broad strokes here, but it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to just riff and see whatever comes through. I feel like in my recovery, I've learned a few things. One is I learned that I you know, looked outside of myself a lot for Hmm. validation and that my insides only felt better when my outsides were okay. So that Hmm. was something I really had to work on. Like, I needed you to be this way for me to be this way, right? I I need you to be okay in order for me to be happy. So I learned that about myself and that's why I'm I'm so self-centered at this point. And I mean that and I mean that in a healthy way like I I'm going to be okay because I'm okay, not because you're okay. Like I can no longer I want everyone hearing this is like whatever you're reaching for, it can be anything. It can be porn, it can be gambling, it can be food, drugs, uh alcohol, whatever it is, just I'm not telling you to give up anything. I'm just asking you to pause the next time you reach and just ask mm. yourself, what am I hoping that this will make me feel like? Mm. Because if you can learn to, or at least give yourself a fighting fair chance to give yourself that feeling, try to generate that feeling from within, you're unstoppable, right? You're unfuckwithable is what I say. Mm. I don't need you to make me feel good about myself. I can feel good about myself. And once you know how to generate your own feel-good feelings, no one can take that away from you because mm. you are the source. Yeah. So that was huge for me. That was huge. It's really I, good. Thank you so much. I also learned um, – I played victim a lot when it came to my relationships mm. uh, with men especially. I, I had a 
very sexy story about why I was treated the way that I was treated. And men always do this and men always do that. And I was like, wait a minute, boss. It takes two to tango. So I learned that I um, I had created a lot of narratives around why my situation was the way it was, why I'm single, why I'm, you know what I mean? I'll just What was the sexy story? What's that? It's just, uh, you don't understand. Men just see that I'm like so amazing and they just want to be around me, but they don't really love me. Like they just use me. <laughs> uh, I'm just so amazing. I just attract all these losers. And it's like, wait a minute, Voss, why are you drawn to men who you perceive to be as losers? What do you get out of that? Right? It's like, oh, I don't want anyone to have power over me. That's what it is. So I pick men that are not my equals. That's what I do. I pick men that are not my equals, and then I blame them for not being on my level. Like, these are the stories that I've told myself. Therapy has helped with that. I've subconsciously, yeah, I've subconsciously, I sub, I, you know, subconsciously choose the people in my life so that I can maintain my independence and I don't have to actually be vulnerable with anybody. And that way I won't ever get hurt because that's painful. <laughs> So that I would like to also offer that to your audience as well is the quality of your life is determined by the quali- quality of your relationships, hmm. not just romantic, but your friendship, but most importantly, the relationship that you have with yourself. Um, and it's an everyday it's an everyday process. And that's why self-talk and saying it out loud can tell you exactly where you're at in terms of how you relate to yourself. Um, another thing that I will recommend everyone listening to do. And if you resist it, that means that it's really probably good for you to do it is stand in front of the mirror uh, and talk to yourself. And I'll, I just want to share a quick story why yeah. I do this. In my addiction, um, I went to the bathroom in the dark. I took a shower in the dark. I never put the bathroom lights on because I really, I mean, have you ever stood in front of the mirror bugging out high on whatever? Like, it's not a good look. It doesn't feel good to stare yeah. back at yourself. So now I look in every window reflection. I look in the mirror every single day. I smile at myself. I talk to myself because I can't lie to myself about mm. how I feel. Like, if you want to know your relationship status with yourself, look in the mirror. Period. So I would say this to everyone watching and listening. If you're like, where do I start? How do I know what my relationship is like with myself? Stand in front of the mirror and start saying out loud Mm. all the thoughts that you have as you're looking at yourself in the mirror. Matter of fact, stand in front of the mirror naked. That's the most vulnerable you can be. And just whatever you're saying about yourself in that moment, say it out loud. And that will tell you exactly what you need to work on Hmm. and and, and where you're not being kind to yourself. So mirror work for me, self-talk. I like that yeah. it's that the mirror works even kind of a callback to your father um, looking yeah. in the mirror. Yeah. Tell himself he's handsome. And I want to yeah. say, yeah, I, I, I want to say something about my father because I know you mentioned yours. My father has um, progressive supranuclear palsy. It's uh, like atypical Parkinson's, okay? Mm-hmm. And so he has a tendency to fall. Not anymore because my mom is always holding him. And uh, he basically has – his mind has no control over his body. He's extremely stiff. I mean, for him to sit down is – we have to literally like push his hips in for him to sit down. And it's just – it's it's very sad for me because – I believe that all disease starts in the it's it's like a disease of the soul and the spirit. Mm. It's like what are you doing? That's why are you so stiff? And I was telling my mom the other day, my father always gave the space to ev- for everyone else to say how they felt out loud. He was a very safe space for me, my father, but he never gave himself that same permission to say how he truly felt, like his pain, his anxiety. He kept everything inside and I feel like what he's going through right now is really him just stuck. Decades of that. Decades of his, of just stuck emotion. And so I just want everyone hearing this. It's like you, you are, you are worthy of saying how you feel out loud. Like, like even if nobody's there to listen to you, at least you listen to yourself. 
right? Like I just, it's, I don't want to say it's too late, you know, for my father, because who am I to determine if it's too late for him? But this is a progressive disease, so it's not getting any better and there's no cure. Um, But if there's anything that I can share from just watching my father, it's like, you don't need to be this person that's just on for people. Like you also get the space and the permission to say how you feel out loud Mm. too. Like be the person for yourself that you are for everybody else, which is beautiful, kind, empathetic listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you talk about him having a progressive disease, we can also relate that to addiction. It being a progressive disease, normally it always gets worse, not better, or at least with age, um, if you don't stop. And so there's, there's been ways that I've related it to, you know, there is no cure, Mm -hmm. like we just said about your father's Mm -hmm. disease. Um, there's no cure, but there is healing. It's almost like a broken bone. Like you heal up stronger than before, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that that won't get broken mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And so you have to protect it. You have to safeguard it. And what are some of those things you've talked about your habits? You've talked about your routines. Mm-hmm. What are some of those ways that you've pursued healing? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a, a one-time fix cure. Mm-hmm. It's not a magic pill or magic potion mm-hmm. um, for addiction, but what are those practices and those what's what's been most helpful to you in your journey so that you can you can be who you are now with just joy? Thank you so much. Well, it's you might be surprised by this, but I so first of all, I schedule everything in my calendar, okay? okay. Everything. Like like even coming here was in my calendar, my clients. But I also schedule my fun, my creativity and my play. Nice. Because I don't think we prioritize our play and our joy as much as we do making our money, coming on the podcast interviews, doing all the all the all the things, you know, on the outside. While I love being here, I wouldn't be who I am today sitting in my joy. You know what I did yesterday on a Monday, y'all? I went to the Grease sing along at Alamo Draft House and by myself in the and I just <laughs> I belt I mean John Travolta Olivia you, you, you can't go wrong on a Monday hashtag movie Monday I my point is I prioritize that I I look for things that are going to make me feel happy and things that I really want to try like whether it's an art show pottery class and I put it in my calendar I prioritize my fun my play my my creativity my socializing with my friends as much as I do the things that have validated me in the past, which is my success and my achievements and all that. See, like, it's fine if I want to do all that, right? Like, you know, I want to do the interviews. I want to work with my clients. But like, it, I have to have fun when I'm doing it. Like, everything needs to be fun for me. Even grocery shopping, I believe, can be so much fun. So what I want everyone to say, especially if you're in, if you're in recovery or you're going through a breakup and you're just in a funk or whatever's going on is, I know it may feel hard and heavy. But if you can just try to get like one thing on your calendar that just, Hmm. it's just fun. Like, and I know that your mind's going to be like, this isn't fun. This sucks. But like, that's, here's the thing. Self-love is so easy when you look good, when you feel good, when you're feeling yourself and, you know, you got biceps and you've gone work and whatever. Self-love is so easy when you're feeling yourself. But the real work begins when you hate yourself. Hmm. Can you love yourself when you hate yourself? And so, in my recovery, in you know, after my breakup is extremely painful. That's when I was just like, I'm done sitting here wasting my life because I don't have a relationship or because of this or I don't have as many, you know, as much money as I want or whatever the story was. I'm like, I needed to take charge of my own happiness. And one of the first things that I did, don't laugh at me, Justin, was I Googled how to love myself. I didn't know. Who teaches us how to love ourselves? No one teaches us. And the first thing that I started doing, because I read this uh, article, it was like, 
Start your morning with water. And that's what I, I, mean, I already knew this stuff, but sometimes we just need a reminder, yeah. right? And so what I want everyone listening and watching is if you, you've been listening to the podcast and, and scrolling through the Instagram and you have all these ideas of things that you want to do, start doing it. Like yep. stop curating the life that you want and actually start creating it by taking the actions. A lot of times mm. we just like save these inspirational posts. Stop saving them and start being it. Like just, and I promise you day by day, it will get better. Yeah. I think one of the things Dr. Amon told me that was so helpful. I mean, before I went to treatment, he said, Justin, you should know that asking for help isn't the weakest thing you, you'll mm -hmm. do. It's one of the strongest things you'll ever do. Yeah. And, but after that, he said, Justin, I really believe if people just drink more water, mm -hmm. ate healthier mm -hmm. and got more sleep, yeah. that their life would be completely yeah. different. 90% of people, yeah, it would change their lives. Mm -hmm. Just drink more water, eat better and get more sleep. If you just do those three things yeah. and then he added some more in after that. But I was just like, wow. Yeah. You, we think about it so much and we, we're always thinking about the newest thing, yeah. the trendiest thing, the sexiest thing that we can do instead of just being consistent on it. And when I'm saying that, Amy's probably nodding, looking at yeah. me. Like, yeah. I mean, we hear so many people with all these hacks and all these yeah. life things and when you got to take this eight supplement stack, you know, no. I'm like, that is so complicated, but it's really, it, we can just make it a lot simpler. I will, and you know what? That breaks through the belief that I think a lot of people have about themselves. I'm speaking for myself as I'm complicated to love. That's been my, mm. my, one of my narratives is like, I'm just too much. Like, I'm just too much to love. I'm just too difficult to love. And the more I'm in my consistency and with my rituals and my habits, I'm like, <laughs> You're such a, I'm like a simple bitch. Like, it's so easy to love me, boss. Like, I mean, like, literally, I just need my little ice latte. I need my workout. I need my water. I need to be in bed by night. I mean, I know what it takes to keep me happy. But we are so focused outside. And then the people outside of us don't know how to love us. And they make us feel or it... It reinforces that narrative, I'm difficult to love. It's like, no, sometimes you just have to shut out all the noise mm. and just, like, start with the basics. Mm. Like, like basics. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have food in the fridge? Mm. Do you have water? Do you have a bed to sleep in? Can you go to bed at a certain time? Can you put your phone away? Just if be you with do, yourself. you're wealthier than probably 75% yes. of the yeah. world. Yeah. And so be grateful. Yeah. Maybe you can riff on this a bit because someone with your background in special education and social work mm -hmm. and being a therapist, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I started on profit. So I think I can relate in this way, being quick to love. You're probably so quick to just love anyone around I you. I am. I am. And I can see that, how quick you were to love Amy and I. Yeah. And, but how, how can you translate that being quick to love someone else into being just as quick to love yourself? I'm going to say I haven't mastered that. Yeah. Uh, the quickness at which, like, I just met y'all, I just fell in love, and I was like, I want to be around you guys all the time. <laughs> um, wow, that's such a good question. I don't know. How do I do that? Well, it's just practice. Now that you, well, first thing is you pointed it out. So now I'm aware of it, right? I'm aware of it now. It's like, man, that I, I'm going to be thinking about that throughout the day. It's like, yeah, I was, I just, I just embraced them with open arms. There was just no barrier. I told you all about my gas. I go, listen, this is what's going on. I got a little, I mean, I just talked to y'all like I'd known you forever. I just, oh, I'm just open. So I think for me, what I'm, what's coming up for me is like that openness, like to mm. just like, hey, here's who I am. How can I extend that same open heart? Towards myself. Hmm. I'm now aware of it. So, I mean, second episode coming up where I talk about, you know, how to get, how to be quick with myself. But I think, um, I think it's just pausing for me. Uh, like, well, when I first met you guys, when you guys came in, I didn't, 
I didn't pause before I even gave love. I just right. gave it. So I think what's coming up for me right now is stop hesitating and stop withholding love from myself. Mm. That's and recognizing that yeah. you're capable of it, yeah. too. Yes. This shows you, yeah. I can do that okay. How can I implement that yeah. here? Yeah. I wonder if it's oftentimes a, a worthiness issue because we think other people are so worthy of love right away. Yeah. That will will give that like right when we came in the door we we were hugging and uh, and it was it was nice it was yeah. sweet it was kind yeah but extending that same kindness and knowing that each of us ourselves are worthy of that that quick love or that kindness or that that open heart because I think sometimes at least me I deal with guilt and shame and other things that whenever I mess up it's okay if other people mess mm-hmm. up. I'll be quick to love them, quick to tell them it's okay, quick to forgive, quick to all this other stuff. But whenever I do it, I I, I neglect myself of that, or I feel undeserving of that, or I I it's not a it's not a if I spoke it out loud, it wouldn't be I would be my own worst critic. And anybody else that spoke that way to themselves, I would probably stop yeah. them. Like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, hey, what are you doing? Yeah be kind. Yeah. Like, that's not true and all this, but I can turn it on myself so quick and and feel like I'm deserving of being a punching bag in those moments of, let's say, relapse or speaking unkindly to someone else or showing something else besides grace, love, kindness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyways, I'm going to be thinking about it too. How can I be more gentle with myself, yes. more kind to myself? Well, one thing that's coming up, I don't know you know, maybe you relate to this. Man, this actually just came up. I, they, I've i been talking about this with a lot of people in recovery is I think, how do I want to say this? I'm so afraid of ever going back to being the person that I yes. was. And I'm vigilant with myself. I'm a lot more vigilant and rigid with myself than I am with other people because I don't ever want to go back to the Vasavi that I was. Yeah. I love her. I know she was going through some stuff. I forgive her. She forgives me. We've had a moment, you know, many moments. I've talked to my inner child. She forgives me. I said we're safe, but I am vigilant with myself and rigid cuz I know I have the power to destroy my life. Mm. I I I I I'm literally that powerful. I can destroy my life like that. I know exactly what to do right now if I wanted to destroy my life and throw it all away. And I'm just in the I'm in the season of creation. And so, yeah, if I need to be extra rigid and vigilant, I will. But to your point, can I be gentle and determined with myself? Hmm. Why do I have to kick my ass? You know what I mean? It works. It yeah. does work for me. I know. Yeah. But maybe we try a different approach and we still be, you know, I can be vigilant. I love being vigilant. I'm ruthless. I'm relentless. I love that when I, when I, you know, when I set out to do something, it's like, you know, in my attic days, if my dealer wasn't available, I had three more that I, I'm very resourceful. Like I, I always say like being an addict comes with its perks because we know how to get what we want. Yeah. Oh, you're unavailable. No problem. I got three more. De- like I'm persistent. How can I channel that into this creation of Vasavi 2.0, Vasavi mm. 3.0? So, but once again, to your point, I'm going to also, how can I be even kinder to myself? I, what's also coming up is there's a fear that does kindness mean that I'm letting myself off the hook? That's mm. that's that's just something that's just it's just coming up. I don't have a full formulated thought, but it's like if I'm that gentle with myself, will I resort back to those behaviors? Right? Like let myself off the hook. But being gentle doesn't mean that I'm letting myself off the hook. It's just holding myself with regard. Do you get does it make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense because you look at you look at guys probably Michael Jordan, LeBron James, mm-hmm. or just the Michael Phelps, the greats, right? Yeah. To get to that level of obsessiveness, yeah. they had to be 
almost all of those people have had to be super critical of them themselves yes. in their every move. Yeah. I'm chronically dissatisfied and, with myself. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I mean, can we just say that out loud? Yeah. I, my chronic dissatisfaction led to me using a lot of drugs because I was so dissatisfied with myself and, and hated myself, I had to numb myself. But now I'm chronically dissatisfied, but it's, I'm actually channeling it towards bettering it myself. Bettering mm. myself. What's wrong with that? Why? What's wrong? If I want to be the greatest version of Vasavi, what's wrong with being critical? As long as I'm being kind to myself and I'm speaking to myself with respect, like I would with anyone else, what's so wrong with that? Hmm. I don't know. That's good to think about. Yeah. What about um, guilt and shame? Do you think that both are toxic or can one be helpful? Because I've heard, I think it was at treatment, them saying guilt, um, the difference between guilt and shame and you can riff on this or, or correct yep. me too. But shame is I am bad mm -hmm. and guilt is oh, th that behavior was bad yeah, or I, I did something bad. Yeah. So shame, I mean, as a, as a daughter of a very stern Indian immigrant mom, shame is I'm no stranger to shame. Like mm. if I did something bad, I became bad. I smoked my first cigarette at 12. I don't smoke anymore. But I remember when I smoked my first cigarette, my mom was like, you're bad, right? Like, so it's the, the difference between that is shame is like, oh, I am bad for doing something. And guilt is I did something bad. Like I did something that wasn't right. You know what I mean? Shame is on the lowest level of our, our vibration frequency. There's absolutely no point I, as someone who's lived with tons of shame in her life. Guilt, remorse has helped me. But even that, I'm just like, I'm over it. Like, I'm yeah. just over all these, like, um, uh, feel like, no, like, it's just like, okay, Voss, keep going. Like, I'm just, I'm, I, I don't think either is useful. If I had to choose, okay, fine. Guilt and remorse. Shame, I think is absolutely pointless. It keeps us isolated. It keeps us feeling small. It keeps us feeling uh, unworthy and unlovable. And um, it, it's been the fuel for many of my decisions in my life. Guilt helps me stay on my toes and just kind of do the right thing, I've, you know, according to my integrity and, and my values. But even that, I'm like, I'm done with that too right now because it's like, why do I have to guilt myself into doing something? Why don't I do something because it's an act of love for myself? Why do I have to guilt myself into self-love or guilt myself into doing what's right? I'm just, I'm over it too. And I think it's just... uh you know, growing up in the in the Indian culture, I mean, women especially, I mean, we have so much pressure to be the perfect wife, to be this. And, you know, you know, Indian women should just be submissive and just, you know, adjust for her man. And I just uh, I'm I'm over it. So I don't really think there's any place for either. If we can kind of rise above yeah. that, I think it would be healthier yeah, for us. Rise above it. Yeah. What do you think? Um, just I'm curious, what's been one of the things that you cherish the most or treasure the most about Indian culture? Devotion. Devotion. Yeah, it's devotion. So when you go to India, have you ever been? No, I'd like to. I'd yeah. love to. I think you would appreciate it. Y'all should both go together. Um, Let's I don't go. Know, I don't know why I'm planning your vacation for you, but <laughs> yeah. we could all go, go together. Um, I've been going since I was two. Uh, my mom didn't want us to lose our culture. So we're first generation. So my sister and I were born here. So I've been going every year. And what I love about India is like, you know, we're one third the size of the U.S., but we're three times the population. Wow. So most of our population is living on the street, right? Mm. And... I just remember one scene coming out of the airport. We were in Hyderabad the airport, which is down south. I was probably only seven or eight years old, and this little girl and, and this little girl comes up because they all know we're American. We're dressed in American clothes. I'm Indian, but they know we're from the West, right? And she comes over with her little baby brother begging for money. And I I just said, I don't have any money. I don't and but she's like smiling and she's still, you know, she's like begging for money and she's smiling and it's just like rips my heart open because I feel guilty. Like here I am coming from a well-to-do family. Why do you have to suffer? But what I love about India, uh, no matter what temple you go to, any of the Hindu temples, 
people from all walks of life, all socioeconomic status, just the devotion that we have for mm. something greater than ourselves. You know what I mean? And I think that's why we do peacefully coexist to an extent, because it's, you know, no matter what, how much money you have or anything, you have that devotion of God. There's just a, there's just a humility and there's just a kindness that it's just, you're not soulless. You know what I mean? You have mm. to be devoted to something. To keep yourself anchored, right? What are you devoted to? And I just feel like in India, there's just a devotion to God. It doesn't matter what religion, because we have Hindus, we have Muslims, we have Jews, we have Sikhs, we have Jains, we have Christians, but everyone's devoted to a higher power of some sort. Yeah. You know, so it's devotion. It's everything we do is related back to a higher power. So in Sanskrit, which is what all our scriptures are written in, there's a, a phrase that says, Matru Devo Bhava, Pitru Devo Bhava, Atiti Devo Bhava, Acharya Devo Bhava. Matru is mother. Mother is God. Pitru is father. Father is God. Acharya Devo Bhava is teacher is God. And Atiti Devo Bhava is guest is God. So hmm. we literally look at, you know, the people that enter our house. We treat them with the same respect we would treat if God were to walk into our house, right? And we treat our mother and our father that way. And I know... This doesn't mean like, you know, if you come from an abusive family, you're supposed to worship your mom. It's just I'm speaking to the devotion. You know what I mean? That And that at the end of the day, every single one of, one of us are that. In Sanskrit, we have a, another saying that says, Tatvamasi, I am that. There is mm. no I am here and God is there. I am that. Creator and creation are one and the same. There's no separation. So if we can look at every single person that way, that's why it's so easy for me to just love y'all. Because just because you have long blonde hair and just because you, you have gold metallic stripes and you're thinking, you know, when we all look different, we're all still God at the end of the day, just walking around, just different shells outside of us. So I'm really grateful to have born into a culture where there's no separation between me and the people or things around me. Everything is divine. Yeah. That's wow. why it's easy to love. That just came out of me. I don't know. That just came out of me. <laughs> Great question. Yeah. Is the divine speaking I, I, through I, you? I think I've been wanting to say that for a while. And I think maybe I was a little afraid to say it because it sounds blasphemous. Because I know in a lot of religions, it's like, oh, we're here. God is up there. It's like, no, God is not up anywhere. God is, God, we, we are right all, here. It's, right right, it's, it's all of it. It's just it. We're all just existing. We are that energy, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Thanks. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. What do you think is a, is either a life lesson or anything that you would like to share with someone that's in the process of overcoming. Let's saying that they're overcoming one of life's greatest challenges. One of the things we try to say is that, Hey, you, me, we have overcome a hundred percent of our darkest days mm -hmm. and you might be in that darkness now, but just mm -hmm. know that like brighter days are coming, mm -hmm. that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that it is available to you now that you can rise up and overcome and someone might be thinking like, ah, her story, she's overcome this, that, the other, um, but I just don't know if I can do it. Um, maybe what would be something you'd say to them? Yeah, what I would say is what I've always said to myself is just do not give up on yourself. Like it's just, you. I mean, you will never, you will never lose if you just bet on yourself. Like if mm. you just, if, I mean, I... Oh, I know it seems so easier said than done because I'm on the other side of the mic sharing the story. And I know everyone's like, oh, easy for you to say. I'm telling you, I mean, every day, if you can just get up out of bed and make your bed and just brush your teeth, like if just start with the littlest things, right? Just the simplest acts of love for yourself. If you can just do that and then build on that and then just make a promise to yourself that you will not give up on yourself. Some days are going to be like, you know, maybe you were just able to get out of bed. Make your bed, brush your teeth, maybe even take a shower, make yourself a nice meal. That would be 
huge, right? And then there are going to be days where you do that, plus you get to see a friend. And just you got to have faith and you have to believe that it's going to get better. And you have to realize that the buck doesn't just stop at you, that there Mm. is something greater than you that has never left your side. And that is something you don't need to have to touch it. You don't need to have to see it. You just need to have to feel it. And if you really look at every single thing in your life that you've been through, you've never been alone. You've never been alone, right? Like even in my worst of days, I still had this like thing, you know, it was just like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You you know, you're in it right now, but you're going to get out of it. I don't know when, but you're going to get out of it. And now, you know, I remember, I just want everyone hearing this. It's like, if you can just pause when you're feeling really heavy and just, and just say this out loud, be like, you know what, one day I'm going to be able to help somebody else who's going through the same thing. If you say that, it will take you out of yourself so quick. And also the other thing that I want to say is when you feel helpless, I know this is hard to do, but when you feel helpless, help another person. Even if it's as simple as you're at a red light and you see a homeless person next to you, just give them a smile. Acknowledge them. You will feel better. And that will make you feel good about yourself. And then that will lead into the next good action and the next good deed. You know what I mean? Like even in my shittiest days, I can be happy for somebody. Hmm. And, and, you know, just seeing like a homeless person, it's like, I'm in my BMW at a red light. You're on the side of the street. What what am I complaining? You know what I mean? It just puts things into perspective. I'm not saying that what you're going through isn't tough or dark, but it does help to get out of ourselves sometime. Mm-hmm. And that's what's always gotten me through. And that's what's ironic is that no matter how dark my days were, I still was like coaching other people. I think that's what kept me afloat is being able to, even if my own personal life was a hot mess, I still had this part of me that wanted to help others so bad. So even though I was leading a split life. And please, I don't recommend that to anyone because it will bite you in your ass. Don't do that. I I still had this part of me that still had a hunger to help other people. So Mm. don't give up on yourself. Realize that you've never been alone. And I know it feels like you may not have had humans, but if you can tap into something bigger than you and just feel that force, it's always been there from the time that you were born. And then also um, when you feel helpless, help another person. Pick up the phone and call a friend, send a text and say, I was just thinking of you. If you can do that, what you're essentially saying is, you know what, I'm going through a lot right now, but I still have love to give to somebody mm. else. And that will just come right back to you. You know, it's. Yeah. It's, yeah. You still have something to give and yeah. to offer. I like that. You're not when worthless. Was, you're not worthless. Mm. Yeah. In that reaching out and helping someone else, I just was picturing like, have your head on a swivel, looking for yeah. a way to make a difference, a way to put loving compassion mm-hmm. In action, you know, where, mm-hmm. where can I give, where can I serve? Who can I help? Where can I smile? Mm-hmm. Uh, who can I hug? Yes. Who can I love? Um, I like that a lot. And then Amy, do you have anything? But I also do want to definitely ask some of the things about like where people can find her. Oh, for sure. We'll wrap up with that and everything will yeah. be in the show notes too. Mm-hmm. So, um, how do you implement, you mentioned Eastern mindfulness on yeah. your website and like, how does that fit in with your daily practices and your consistency? Absolutely. So I'm going to be straight up. I don't have a meditation practice. I do not sit contrary to, you know, belief for people just saying Indians sit underneath <laughs> trees and meditate. I don't do that. First thing I do in the morning is I work out because I have an excessive amount of energy. And so I have to, and I, I struggle with anxiety. A moving meditation. Yeah, a moving meditation. So that's exactly it for me. It's like my meditation is being completely present. When I do one, when I'm doing something, I do that one thing and that's it. Whether I'm washing dishes, I'm going to just wash those dishes. If I'm watching a show, I'm just watching a show. So it's moving meditation, but it's also really being present. And I talk to God the whole time. 
Mm. I talk to God. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just having a conversation with this voice that's just so loving and kind. So for me, when it comes to tapping into the supreme consciousness that all of us are, I do that by being present and doing one thing at a time. That's it. I mean, and I respect my body now. Now I do. Uh, I respect my body, what I put in it, what I allow myself to consume. I mean, if I don't want to be in certain spaces, I just don't do it anymore. I just, why am I going to put myself through that? So, you know, respecting the body is is respecting the temple that's within all of us, you know, mm. and just being very, very grateful. And then also treating every single person that I meet with the same love and respect that I would if I were to, you know, meet God in person, like, how, how would we treat God? You know what I mean? Like, what do we, I mean, like, we are, we are it. So it's just, I just want to leave people better off than when they first met me. That's my mm. number one goal. Like, my father always said that. He's like, how can you make this person's life better? You know, just without, you don't, and it's usually not, you don't have to do a lot. Most people would just be happy with a smile. How are you? How are you doing today? You know, just asking someone about them, just being kind to another human being. I mean, to another human being. That's what I call being a good Hindu, right? I'm, I'm Hindu and that's what, you know, we're not really considered a religion. We're a way of life. But it's like, can I treat every single person that I meet, especially those that can't do shit for me? That's mm. what it is. It's not like, oh, what can you do for me? Because you have these many followers. And I don't care. I don't care. I want to treat every single person that I meet with respect, because we are all worthy of that, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's how I try to, to bring that in. Beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a lot of stuff in the show notes, but is there anywhere you would want to point people to follow you, check out the books, get anything that you've done in the past? Yes, absolutely. Um, to get on the wait list for the book, just go to vasavikumar.com forward slash wait list. Uh, you can also send me a voice note, say out loud your name. Feel free to send me a Ooh, voice note on my cool. yeah on my Instagram. Uh, my name is Vasavi is my handle. Literally say, hey, I heard you on the Overcome podcast and send me a little voice note. Use your voice. I will respond back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you for being here. Thank you, thank for, you for blessing me. us with your presence, your story, Same. Um, yeah, and your knowledge. Thank you, your wisdom, the sage advice. This was all really, really good. <laughs> thank you. Thank Love you. your energy. Thank you. Your spirit. Thank you. Yeah, please go thank follow you. Vasavi. Go send her a voice note. Um, you can also support the show by leaving us a, a, a rating or a review, and uh, sharing this a little clip on your story if you'd like, and we'd, we'll we'll share it out as well. So thank you so much for being here. I'm thank just you. really, really grateful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Hey, don't forget to send your Overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.